Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What does Jesus's mission look like here? What's his mission here? What does Jesus's mission look like here? What does Jesus's mission look like here? What is Jesus's mission here? How do I know what Jesus's mission is? Great to see everybody today. Pastor Josh doing a wedding down south uh, yesterday. Didn't make it back in time. Little shout out to baby Amelia Moore. Proud parents, Jeff. Well, let's all clap, clap softly, softly. So. <laughs> so let's bring up that map of Thessalonica. So here we are with the wonderful map that our lead pastor got for us. So. And before we get into this, just want to say this area down here, Israel, once again, the attention of the entire world is on Israel, Palestine, and that is from the, the beginning of time, just that we, are, we should not be surprised by that, the, the calamity there of the terrible uh, Hamas and just what's going on there. For followers of Christ, we can be confident that God has this that this is, this is going to happen. Um, it's gonna, the focus of the world is going to continually go back to the land of Israel, uh, the land of Christ, until he returns. So let's keep in prayer about that. So Thessalonica is the subject today. We've been preaching through the book of Acts, and as Josh did a couple weeks ago, we came to the city of Philippi. We stopped and did a one-week sermon on Philippi, Philippians. So today I'm doing a one-week sermon on Thessalonica. So that's what we're talking about today. So this church here, it's a rookie church. Um, not many Jews, uh, mainly it's just Gentiles who started showing up at the synagogue because they're like, we are sick of the world and we know there's just got to be more than, than Zeus and Apollo and Hermes and just all, all that kind of stuff. We, we know there's got to be something more. And so they'd kind of like sitting in the, the back rows or standing room only and just like checking out this Christianity thing. Paul comes along, talks about Jesus and they're like, we're going with that guy. And so they, they start talking about the faith. And so 1 Thessalonians is kind of a simple book. It's perhaps the very first of Paul's letters. There's not a lot of super deep stuff. It's kind of like rookie training for how to live for Christ. And the word that kind of runs through the whole book is the word holy. Holiness. Holy cow, Batman. Holy moly. We're going to be talking about holiness I think holiness gets a bad rap. People think kind of stuffiness or sour, gloomy faces um, with holiness perhaps, or some of the caricatures. There's not the way it's supposed to be. Holiness is happiness. Holiness is joy. Holiness is peace. It's, it's a different type of joy that comes from Christ. It's no one goes to heaven unless they're holy. 
And it's, we are only made holy through the, the, the blood of Christ, the death of Christ. We say, Jesus, come into my heart. Father, take the death of Jesus in place of my death and come in to my life. Wash me, make me holy. Holiness is the life. Sin is boring. Sin is repetitious. Sin is unfulfilling. Holiness is true life, true manhood, true womanhood. It is the right stuff. My, my prayer for today, this morning, is just that all of us, wherever we're at in our walk with Christ, I want the holiness that comes from God. Uh, holy in the religious sense just means sacred, set apart by God and for God. Holy in a non-religious sense might refer to you know, that vehicle that you have in your garage with, uh, it's, it's covered with a tarp and you really don't want anyone touching that or driving that or getting it dirty. Maybe there's an object you have in your study or at home that no one borrows and that you, you take down just every once in a while because it is holy and precious to you. But in the religious sense, it's set apart by God and for God. Every human life is holy because you were made by God and for God. And you find your peace, your joy, your purpose when you accept and believe that fundamental fact of life that you were made by God and you were made for God. Likeness of nature with God. Holy, uh, stay with that one, please. So holy, it also has the sense of it's different. It is different from every, any other object. Like in a town, there were 30 buildings and they'd say, that's, our, that's the holy building. That's the different building. That's the temple where we worship God. There's only one building in that town of 30 buildings where we worship God. And that is, that's holy. It's different from everything else. It is special. So the net, and it also holiness, for us, it comes from God. It comes from him. It comes from Christ. It's not by our efforts or in action. When you come to Christ, you instantly, you receive it. It has to work itself out in our lives, but it comes from him. It is not earned. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this morning, chances to dive into the Bible today. Lord, teach us the truth about holiness and how incredible, freeing, uh, life-giving, energizing it is, Lord. We thank you for the death of your son, Jesus, and that through his blood, through his death, we are made holy. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, let us uh, open our minds to understand and receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Called to be holy. If you're a follower of Christ, you are called to be holy. If you got your Bible, you can open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. <coughs> so he says this, <coughs> chapter 4, verse 1. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. And so we see that there is a pattern of living. There's a way of life of following God. There's a certain path of following God to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Verse two, for you know what instructions 
we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So right away you see that there's like a command structure, an authority structure, that Jesus is our God, he's our best friend, but he's also our master, our Lord, our king. And that there's a generation above, Paul, who's teaching, and that it's to be passed on. Like this way of life, these orders, these commands, this, this is how we live for Christ. And so there's people being passed on these truths from one generation to the next. So the question kind of begs is, who are you receiving teaching from? Not just talking about pastors, but who are you receiving teaching from and how to live the life of Christ? And who are you also teaching to? This is how you walk with Jesus. This is how you follow Christ. This is how you stay connected with God. So it has like a, a, a looking of who are you receiving from and who are you giving to? And so this is the rich, vital body of, of a healthy church where you know, there's fathers and mothers who are teaching um, and it's being passed on from one generation to the next, up above and below and sideways. So let's go to verse three now. And he says, for this is the will of God. This is the command, the order, the call of God. This is how you are to live. And the will here, it means like God's desire, God's offer. And it has that sense of it can be accepted or rejected, obeyed or disobeyed. So each and every one of us has this will of God, yes. Or the will of God, no, I'm gonna do my own thing. So it very much is God states his will, this is what I have for you. This is why I created uh, you for. And we, all of us as human beings can say, yes, I embrace it, or no, I will not. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. It's kind of a big, fancy word. It has the same root of holiness. And it has, this is the will of God for you to be transformed, to be made holy, and to increase in holiness. The will of God, your sanctification, each and every one of us, with all our habits, with all our struggles, with everything that we are, God's will for you is to be transformed, continue to change, continue to grow. All of us are going to grow differently. All of us are different people, different backgrounds, but God's will is one and the same for everyone to grow from where we're at. Today is the most important day. Will you be made new in Christ? This is the will of God, and there's hope there. God's goodness. He gives us a picture in 1 Thessalonians 5.5. 5. I love this image. For he says, if you're of Christ, you are all children of light, sons and daughters of light, children, sons and daughters of the day. For we are not, because Christ is in us, if Jesus is in us, we are not, children of the night. We're not children of the darkness. People in movies or wherever, we, we can never get away from good and evil. It's very simple. There's right and wrong. There's good and evil. There's justice and injustice. And God is the ultimate good. And so it's always of, life is simple. There's, well, there's only two paths. There's only two categories. There's only two choices. There's light. And there's darkness. There's day and there's night. And these, this verse is to remind us that if Christ is in you, 
the deepest truth about you is that you are a son of light. You're a daughter of the day. And it's there for us to grab onto that I'm a, I'm a daughter of light. I'm a son of the day. That because of Christ in me. And to believe it by faith, and it works itself out in how we live and how we think. I'm not a loser. I'm not a failure. I'm not a cast off. I'm a daughter of light. I'm a son of the day. Grab onto that. If you're in Christ, this is your identity. Your identity and then your actions work yourself out from there. Believing by faith that because of Christ in you, the truth is you're not scum, you're not dirty, you're not hopeless. You're a daughter of light. You're a son of, son of the day. You're called to be holy and you are made holy by the Spirit. Let's go to the beginning of Thessalonians chapter 1 in verse 4. He says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, you are loved, that he has chosen you. There's a sense of us choosing him. There's also a very clear scriptural sense of him choosing us. Just like in the playground, you're all nervous and, you know, there's two captains and like, oh, am I going to be the last one picked or, or I hope I get picked sooner than later. And you, I want you on my team. And the, whew, the relief and like, I hope I can hit a home run since he or she picked me to be on their team. And for God choosing you, all we can do is say, thank you, God. Thank you for choosing me. I embrace it. I believe it. I want to be on your team, God, that you are chosen. It is a joy. And he says this in verse 5, because our gospel, gospel meaning just that Christ came to save sinners, that you are lost in your sin. Christ paid the price. The good news is that Jesus died and he rose again from the dead. The gospel, the good news that you can be saved, that you need not be damned, that you can, you can have life, you can be born again. The gospel came to you not only in what? In word. Think about that. What we live here at Wawasee Bible, it's, it's not just a bunch of words. The words are a part of it. It has to be communicated. It has to be transmitted. We have to talk and rationally speak it out, explain it, understand it. But look at this. But also in power. Power, the word there in the Greek is dunamis, which means dynamic. That God, that it came with dynamism, dynamic into your heart, meaning it changed you. It came with power, strength, might, boom, it didn't leave you the same. If something's dynamic, it, it changes. Dynamic, dynamite, and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Holy Spirit and full conviction are grammatically linked. They, they're, they're one goes with the, the other, meaning like you received the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God came into you, and when he did, super confidence, full conviction, absolute insurance, not a shadow of doubt came into your, your heart. The whole, you received the Holy Spirit, God's dynamic power came into you, and like, yes, I know, I'm not the same woman, I'm not the same man, I'm not the same boy, I'm not the same girl, because I can't, it came with word, 
I understood the teaching, but then there was power with it. The long and the short of this is that it's not just a matter of word, it's about changed life. That God comes with power to break the power of sin, to break the chains of sin, to heal hearts. He comes not just with word, but with power and with the Holy Spirit, full conviction, super confidence that God is real. God changes lives. He changes me from the inside out. Romans 6, 6 says this, we know that our old self was crucified with Christ. Meaning he came not just in word, but he came in power. The old self was crucified. That the body of sin might be brought to nothing. God's power hid it and brought it to nothing so that we would be no longer slave to sin. God's power came with word. Not only with word, but with power and the Holy Spirit and full conviction. Ephesians 4, 24 says this, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. If it's just words, there's no life change. It's about more than just praying, saying the words to a prayer that you can train a parrot to say those words. But it's about when we say those words, but Jesus, forgive me, I'm a sinner, that God's power comes into us and changes us. There's a changed life. We put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Do you believe that? It is by grace, by faith, that in Christ, you're a new woman, a new man. You're a son of light, a daughter of light. Put on the new self by faith, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is what our book says about you. What is God's will for you? Your sanctification. That God's seed comes into you and it just doesn't lay dormant in your heart. That it starts breaking up the ground. That it starts coming out green that it eventually blossoms and grows fruit. That is God's working in your heart, not in word only, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. It's changed life. Verse six, it goes on, it says this. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you, the Thessalonian church, became imitators of us and of the Lord. And you received the word in much affliction. It wasn't a popular thing to become a follower of Jesus. With the joy of the Holy Spirit. Holy cow. Again, there's joy in holiness. When you think, God, make me holy, you are choosing joy. Joy, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, joy. Some of you will know this if you've been around the church, if you know your Bible. Uh, some, this might be new for some of you, but the Holy Spirit talks about, in the book of Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that things that the Holy Spirit, we know that he produces. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, a different kind of joy, a different kind of love than what the world offers. But that is what the Holy Spirit does. So, Called to be holy, 
made holy by the Holy Spirit. Holiness is given, not earned. It's not like you got to build up credit for it. And holy, holiness starts from the inside out, not the outside in. Whenever a religious group focuses on the outside, whether Amish, Apostolic, Mennonite, Evangelical Free Church, Pentecostal, Baptist, Wabasee Bible, whenever the focus comes on what do we look like on the outside, there's no joy. The life gets sucked out. It's, it's boring, it's tedious, it's either pride, but holiness is from the inside out. It's always from the inside out. You start with the heart. A lot of times, I've had this conversation many times over the years, someone will say to me, yeah, I know I should get right with God. I know I should, I should start attending church more. I need to stop smoking. I need to stop swearing so much. I need to read the Bible more. Now, let me ask you, are those things out, the, things that, the four things I just mentioned, are those outside or inside? Now, that's a very nice cross we have right there, illuminated softly there. But just try to imagine our Savior dying on the cross for our sins. And he cries out. He's covered in dirt and sweat and blood. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In those last moments before he took his final breath, does anyone here really think that it went through his mind that, well, I sure hope that Joe gives up smoking. I sure hope Sally starts getting herself to church 52 Sundays a year. I, heard, I sure hope Joe doesn't curse as much, at least when he's around people. Jesus says this in Matthew 23. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside. All you're, all you're concerned about is appearances, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and indulgence. So what Jesus is saying here is that each of us is like a cup, like a chalice, with a nice outside and hopefully a very nice inside. And he's saying, you Pharisees, you just, all you care about is just cleaning up the inside, but inside you're like feces, you're like something disgusting, something gross, something foul. And he says, what, God, what Jesus died for is your greed, your indulgence. I mean, the outside, yeah, that'll, that'll work itself out, but Jesus says what? He says, first, clean the inside of the cup. It's always the inside. So let's take a look at those four things. Let's talk, like smoking, for instance. Let, let me make clear, smoking, like they say in the movies, if you, if you haven't started smoking, don't start. And uh, of course, it's, it, there's a lot of things harmful for our health. But what I told a guy just a couple months ago, don't, don't. smoking is not number one on your list with God. Start with your heart. 
Don't worry about smoking at all for focus on your heart. And, you know, smoking eventually, Lord willing, break free of that. Profanity. Yeah, don't, don't curse in church. Don't curse when, start with what's inside. Say, Lord, renew me, increase my love for you and make me more like yourself. Because when you pray, Lord, make me more like yourself, that's gonna work itself outside to the way you talk and affect not just profanity, but it'll affect gossip or put hateful language or whatever other bad words you use. Attendant church, if your focus is on, oh, I know, we, just, we need to go to church, put our time in. I mean, if, if the outside is your focus, you're just gonna be like, oh, I'm so tired, let's just sleep in and not wanna be here. You work from the inside out. Lord, make me holy, increase my heart and love for you. You are my life. Forgive me, renew me. Thank you, Lord. And when you start from the inside, I want to be at church. I want to get up. This is the best morning of my week. Oh, I need to, I need to read the Bible. Start from the outside. I hate reading. What time is it? How long have I been reading this Bible? I'm bored already. I can't understand it. Start from the inside. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. Open, start from the inside. Open the Bible like so. And Lord, I know you're going to love me if I read the Bible or not. But Lord, just, I know I can't grow closer to you and I want to grow closer to you. So Lord, help it come alive to me. You start from the inside out. God, through the Holy Spirit, always works from the inside out. That's our joy. That's our gladness. That's our, our life, our energy. We start from the outside in, and that is terrible. That's going to kill your relationship with the Lord, trying to focus on the outside in. A false holiness, outside in, you, you focus on something on the outside, your dress, your words, your appearance, do this, don't do that. True holiness works itself inside out. Jesus washes me. Jesus makes me new. And it works itself from the inside out. First, clean the inside of the cup. The rest will take care of itself. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Called to be holy, made holy by the Spirit, stand and be holy. Now, as I said, this is kind of a rookie church, uh, beginners, keep, keeping it really simple. Two things, two very practical things that Paul is going to talk about on how you live as opposed to how the world around you lives, how to be a son and daughter of light, and how not to, to disassociate from the darkness in the night. So the first is stand in victorious love. Stand in victorious love, a different kind of love among us as followers of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says this, and may the Lord, the Lord is the source, he's the foundation, he's where it all comes from, make you increase and abound. Increase and abound are synonyms. 
except abound is a little stronger. It's like saying the same thing, like increase, increase, and increase, increase, increase incredibly in what? In love. The Greek word here is agape. It's not eros. It's not uh, brotherly love. Basically, Christians invented the word agape. It's not a feeling. It's, it's talking about sacrifice. It could have to be translated preferred. I prefer this person. I set my, my preference upon this person. I prefer to be with them. And so the different kind of love that we're called to is that as different as we may be uh, socioeconomically, uh, di- diff- we're not, you know, like we don't share the same interests. We're different ages. We're different towns that we live in but yet we prefer each other. Because of Christ in us, we prefer to be with my church sisters, my church brothers. We prefer one another. We, we sacrifice, we deny ourselves in love for each other. I, I just love that. And it, it's different for us as, as followers of Christ in that we are called to a holy love John 13, 35, Jesus said this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And in the context, you can go back to uh, 312. In the context, it's God, I need you to give me love. I cannot love this person. I cannot love my husband. I cannot love my wife. I cannot love my children. I cannot love my parents. I cannot love my coworkers. I need you to give me a supernatural, a different, a holy love for them. A holy love in your friendships. It means there can be an argument, there can be disagreements, but there's a holy love there to forgive, to be patient. We represent lots of different towns, from Napanee to Ligonier, from Webster to New Paris, and all kinds of different backgrounds here at Wawasee Bible, but we want to prefer each other in love. When you walk into a high school cafeteria, at least the way I remember it, like, you know, you've got the jocks or the band people or the computer people or all the various social groups kind of split up, and Lord willing, it's never like that in our church where just people settle in with the people who are most like them and they, they talk just to the same people. That, but that the, the family of God, we are to prefer one another. A different kind of love that we, we're moving around talking to all kinds of different people that if we didn't know Jesus, we would never talk to them. But because we know Jesus, we prefer them because we both are preferring Jesus. And we ask him, Lord, give me love. Marriage, Christian marriage, is to be a holy love. An unholy love is focused on keeping score, on what am I getting from this, on you're not meeting my needs. No, you're not meeting my needs. Disappointment, expectations, failed expectations. But a holy love can take those, can communicate, speak the truth in love, can forgive, can bear with, Holy love is seeking to serve and to give first and foremost rather than receive. So ask God, ask God, give me a holy love, a a different love for the people around me. 
Lord, make me increase and abound in love. Because it leads to, in verse 13, this. So that he, the Lord, may establish. Establish means to anchor, to solidify, to make strong, to tie down really tightly. Establish your hearts blameless in holiness. And so, cause and effect, verse 12 real quick. The Lord makes you increase and overwhelm in love in 13 so that you're strengthened. You're mentally sounder. You're emotionally sounder. You're stronger and healthier in every way because you're growing in love. Makes sense, doesn't it? Is the person who's holding on to grudges and bitterness and unforgiveness, are they a a mentally, emotionally healthy person? Of course not. And so it's like rejecting Christ Having unholy love is, is de-establishing ourselves, but asking God to give us holy love for those around us is strengthening, is the benefit is for us to be established, our hearts blameless in holiness. I love Thessalonians. It's been really good to study these verses. So ask God to give you victorious, holy love, establishing your heart blameless and holiness. Stand and be holy in victorious love and against sexual immorality. Holy cow, Batman. Holy smokes. Holy moly. We're going to talk about that. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, the process of you becoming holy, more like God, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And that is intimacy outside the bounds of one man, one woman in marriage. That is not to shame anyone in our culture or anything like that, but this is God's will. It is always that will from Genesis chapter two, where God himself created marriage, one man, one woman, in intimacy, and that intimacy between just one man, one woman is in God's sight, the culmination of the wedding ceremony. It is the sign of monogamous, faithful fidelity, a model of God's love for you. And let me be clear that God is no prude, that this command, that this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, it is for his love for you. It is for his protection for you and for all people, for the well-being of all people rather than the chaos that the sexual revolution has, has opened in our, our country and world. And again, this is a rookie church, and he's going to hit on two things, victorious love, a different kind of love, a holy love, and abstaining from sexual immorality. This is how you, this is how you are a son and daughter of light. This is how you are a, a son and daughter of the day, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And God in his love for us, he knows that that intimacy, it's not just like any other sin, that there's a component to it that is spiritually destructive, unlike perhaps it's more weighty than other sins. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, flee from it, run from it, from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So when we take it outside of marriage, it has a wounding effect 
on us, on our spirits? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. God is seeking to protect us out of his great love for us. It says in Hebrews 13, 4, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And again, see that clearly that God, this is how he's built society. Every society prospers as a man, a woman in marriage and everyone benefits. It makes for a strong society. This is God's will. This is how he has ordained it out of love for us. He goes on in verse four for the remainder that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. God calls us light and day, the armor of God to stand with his power, Holy Spirit conviction in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the gentles, Gentiles who do not know God. There is a different way of living. 1 Peter 2.11 says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Do I even need to say about what happens when you lose the war? That the absolute binding, the terrible master that sin is, whether it is stuff that people are bound to on the internet or magazines, the false promise of the world. And I think we all know that in our culture, the body, appearances, immorality, it is a false gospel. It is in direct competition to Christ. It is a false God. Whether it's, it's the fitness or whether it's, you know, if you could be in bed with that person, then everything would be great you would just live happily ever after. The mania of our culture, it promises a born again experience. If you just can devote yourself to physical fitness, to this new diet, along with this new workout, drop 40 pounds, get buff, you will be a new creation. You won't even think about your sins. If you will just repent of your lack of exercise, get off the couch, commit yourself to being a new creation, then you will be a new person. If you could just, you know, that person who is your husband, wife, who's really dragging you down and really all the bad stuff in your life, if you can just trade them out, they're definitely not your soulmate. You know, they're stealing your joy. If you could just cut ties with them, you know, there's someone out there who is your real soulmate, you'll be born again. You'll be saved. You'll have a new life. You'll be in bed with that person and, you know, all your, you'll be so happy. You'll be so healed. And it's just a lie. You'll be in more pain, more alimony, more, more trouble, more broken heart. God loves us. And he's not a prude. For our good, he says, the gift of intimacy, one man, one woman, waiting until marriage. 
for good, for life, for joy, to be free and not to be enslaved or to lose the war. Uh, the world looks at it one way, and it's very clear in Christ the other way. The world is going to say uh, intimacy is whatever I want it to be, um, multiple partners, same gender, what, whatever. It's, it's, it's whatever I want it to be, however often I want it. In Christ, marriage alone, it is the sign of monogamous fidelity, lifelong, uh, deep friendship in marriage. The world says, hey, my body, my body. No one tells me to do it. My, it's, it's my body, my decision. Even if privately I think my body's kind of junk and it's, it's dirty, it, it's a fouled up thing anyway. And Christ says, no, just like we looked at in 1 Corinthians 6, your body, your soul, your spirit, and your body matter to God. His body was broken on the cross. His body was resurrected as a sign that your body is priceless to him. Regardless of whatever comparison you, you put up against with all these, the fitness mania of our country, your body belongs to God and your body is holy to God. And if you're in Christ, God intends to fully perfect and, and to cleanse your soul, your spirit, your body through Christ. The world says it's about you and your pleasure that what God created for marriage is separated totally from marriage and it's just about your pleasure, your needs. It's a, it's a me thing. It's about you taking from somebody else. And God says intimacy, husband, wife, it's an us thing just for the two of us, knowledge that we have of each other, knowledge just for the two of us that we share this intimate experience that ties us closer together. And it's, it's about giving. And lastly, no rules, no limits. And Christ calls us to honor, to protect, to safeguard each other for holiness, for self-control. Now look at these. There's no middle ground. There is no middle ground. You're in one or the other. And for, for your own good, for the glory of God, we all, God help us, we're going to be on this side of the page. Verse 6. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is a what? He's an avenger. This is the only place in the New Testament, this is the only reference where God says, I'm an avenger. Why do you think that is? An avenger being one who satisfies justice. You know, the Pandora's box, the whole sexual revolution, and you know, as one of the many terrible results is we're always seeing these trials and these celebrities of he said, she said, judge and jury are called in. Maybe they got it right, maybe they didn't. But what the Bible passage is saying is that the Lord knows. The Lord knows, and he's, he's an avenger. And God knows just as we talked about, the intimacy that the violations, the forcefulness, the sin that is committed in that context is so traumatic, so damaging, so painful that God says, I'm the avenger. I'm the avenger. Every sin gets paid for. No one saw it. 
God saw it. God says, um, I am the avenger in these things. So be warned. His love, he cares for people, and he knows the harm, that abuse, and those things. He says, I am the avenger. I satisfy justice. Verse 7 says, For God has not called us for impurity, but he's called you in holiness to be a daughter of light, a son of light. Therefore, whoever disregards is saying like, ah, I'm just going to go on with promiscuity and just, I'm just going to follow the pattern of the world is disregarding not man, but God. It's just a, a reinforcement saying, I love you. This is from me. Be holy. Intimacy is from marriage alone. And you disregard me and not man. It's not man-made, made up. And then the, the encouragement is who gives his Holy Spirit to you. How do you stay free? From the inside out. The encouragement, he's given us his Holy Spirit. I've had many conversations over the years of, it's just so hard. It's assumed that, you know, if they've gone on two or three dates, it's assumed that they've done that. And I think the, there's a couple questions that it kind of begs is, does God really know what's best? Does God really know what's best for you individually or for humanity worldwide by saying intimacy is for marriage alone? Does God really know what's best? And we just have to say, yes, he does. He does. That maybe God is intending a certain type of character to be built in a man and woman as they, as they say, no, I'm waiting. Maybe there's a lifelong trust that is built between man and woman as they both abstain until they take their vows. And again, I, I feel like I just had to talk plainly about these things. And again, not to make anyone, there's no condemnation from here. But just, I think we need to think and be able to talk to each other about how it's encouraging because yes, we know very few are holding to this. But yet there's promise, there's joy, there's benefit, there's reward in waiting. And yes, the second question, is it possible to wait? Even if you've made that mistake, is it possible to be renewed in your sexuality? And yes. And that who gives his Holy Spirit to you from the inside out to help you to abstain until marriage. And that is God's gift, that is God's power. And we can encourage, we need to encourage each other for the upcoming generations that yes, God's way is the right way. And yes, you can be a rebel and a radical and stay and follow his way and be a son or daughter of light. First Thessalonians 5.23 says this, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love that it. it says, the God of peace himself is gonna get you completely. It's not like calling up a company and hit number two, or if you want this, hit number five. You got a person here on the line. The God of peace 
himself sanctified, make you holy completely in your whole spirit and soul and body. He cares about your body. He died for your body too. Blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, he who calls you is faithful. Faithful is God. It's not about your power. It's about God's power working in you and through you. God, help me, strengthen me. I believe in you, God. Make me faithful. Let's go back to verse 23. And just take a moment just to look at that, pray it, think it. I like to pray this prayer. I mean, just kind of, I just almost word for word. I'll say, God of peace, you yourself, sanctify me. Sanctify Dave Winters. I'll say, God of peace, you yourself, sanctify me completely. My whole spirit, my whole soul, my whole body. And that is a great place for all of us today as we wrap up, just to say, God of peace, you yourself, sanctify me, put your name in there completely. My spirit, my soul, my body. Let's pray and the worship team's gonna come up. As I said at the start, my hope was just for each and every one of us to leave here today believing with joy, not with shame or anything, but with hope. My encouragement, take a moment right now and just say, Jesus, make me holy. If you're not a Christian, it's about Jesus, come into my heart and cleanse me. It's not about your past. It's not about yesterday. It's about today. It's about today that God makes you holy and clean. Take a moment as the worship team starts to softly play. Just say, Jesus, make me holy. Fill me with your power. Jesus, we thank you through your Holy Spirit, through the blood of Jesus Christ, that you make us holy. There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is today. I just want to encourage any of you, if you're struggling, just say, Jesus, make me holy today. Think not about yourself. Just lift your eyes. Think about Jesus in your heart. He is able to make you holy, to cleanse you, to renew you, to establish you, to give you a holy love for people, to heal you of immorality. Lord, come and cleanse us. We worship you now. Make us holy in Jesus' name. As we're singing, uh, some of us will be up front just to pray with you. Uh, worship, uh, prayer team, if you want to come up, let's all stand now. We're going to worship. There'll also be people in the back, too, to pray with you.